Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. Multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half. How'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Welcome back to the Operator Podcast. This is episode number 45, and that's crazy to think that. It's been moving pretty quickly, and I appreciate you listening to it. The Operator Podcast, as always, is um, Operator to Operator. And I love hearing from you. Um, whenever I say anything uh, in the in the podcast or on social media, be it at Mikuya or at the Operator Podcast or at RJO Apparel, um, I love hearing from you. Uh, what you want to hear, what we should be talking about, and whether or not something I said was right or wrong. And I'm one of those people too that uh, it's okay to admit if you're wrong. Um, you're not going to have a good conversation if everyone is just in agreement. I've been around yes man a whole lot, and it's just annoying. And I've purposely said the wrong thing to people just to see if they'll agree with me, and they do. And it's pretty funny. But uh, it's, there's nothing wrong with having a difference of a, an opinion and uh, trying to be cordial when possible. It's if you get caught, if you get caught up in the social media game, you're going to find. The negative negativity leads the way. That's just how it works, and people seem to be freaking out. But the the good news is that's only really on the internet and on TV because that's how you get ratings. That's how you get clicks and likes. That's I mean, there was a dude he's facing like what twenty five years in prison for purposely crashing an airplane. Like he was flying it and he jumped out for likes. Or for yeah, that's dangerous. I don't know if you've realized that. That's that airplane turns into a missile. That is a projectile plummeting towards the earth. He jumped out of any, you know, he decent skydiver, he got on his back and he got some some footage of the plane, and now he's gonna be in the pokey, getting the pokey in the pokey. <laughs> that's just dangerous and stupid, but people do that. And then you've seen the pranks that are I mean, some of the pranks are just outlandish that that uh some of the dumbest ones I've seen, like some kid covered, a kid, it's not his house, it's his parents' house. He covered the entire kitchen in peanut butter. Like, I'm talking everything. He covered it in peanut butter. What, that little prick. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and, then, and people do stuff like, I saw the, the if you haven't seen the, the Bush man, he's just a dude that hangs out in a bush and he'll stand up and scare you. And that's fine. I've seen it before where someone's hiding in a, in a Marine's um trash can outside like you're gonna when you go out and put the trash on the side it's it's one of those uh big trash cans with the f- folding lid that the dudes come uh and get it and someone hid in there to, to uh the g- guy was in uniform he's like a he's like a private so he's young and he's in shape and he's fucking semper fi and the guy hops out of the thing to scare him and he just knocked him out like instinct so some of those um some of those things that happen if you're looking for clickbait it can get dangerous because you don't know who you're messing with, you know, especially nowadays with uh, everything from knives, concealed carry to MMA. You might be messing with the wrong person. I, I, I enjoy getting likes too. I'm trying to be more positive on the internet, but um, that was uh, that. That's just that's just that. I had a I had a thing last week where I said uh, on Twitter, if you use. If you tell me your preferred pronouns when I meet you, our conversation just ended. And I'm not trying to insult someone's lifestyle. I'm just saying 
we're probably not going to get along at all, and I don't feel like getting yelled at. Um, and I, is, I mean, is that a thing? I don't, I don't know. Do, do, is that I'm look, man, I'm out of the game, right? Um, I, I, I'm not at the clubs and all that good stuff. I do travel quite a bit, and I, th- that's a good thing. Is I, I see a lot of people, and I get frustrated because most people I meet uh, are on the same lines as what we should be doing and acting, how we should be acting as a country. But it, tell me in the comments, is that a thing? Do, do people nowadays, like the younger dudes, go up and say, hey, I'm Rob, my pronouns are he, him, or Xi Zing, or Xi Jinping, or whatever? I mean, because they're all over the place. It's like, um, I I don't want to disrespect anybody, and I want to be cool with, I want to be cool, and I, if, if I'm wrong, then and that's what you do. <clears throat> because I found that people are more likely to tell me to go F myself on Twitter than in person. And I've also found meeting people face-to-face generally, you're going to get along okay with them. Because I'm telling you this again, most people are good. And the stuff that we see with the nonsense, a lot of those crazy people, well, not all of them, but a lot of them are paid paid uh, anarchists, paid leftists, and they're out there to cause trouble. And they're, they're being they're being funded by people behind the curtains that are actually running the show who will uh, who, who want who want who just want to cause trouble here and, and they, well, they want communism is essentially what they want to and you know admit nothing deny everything make counter accusations that's why they they say that uh, people like Ron DeSantis are fascists because whatever and and their answer is shut them down and that's communism and that's fascism that's the definition of fascism but anyway uh, the point I was getting at is if um, and I like this that's the, this is the whole point this is operator to operator. Get in the comments. I, I don't generally read all the Twitter ones because a lot of the bots, I don't care if they say Elon Musk made Twitter a better place. It's not better. It's a fucking cesspool. And these bots will attack you. You can always tell a bot because they uh, they say something, and if you respond, nothing happens. But I've noticed that if someone says something to me on Twitter and I retweet them, they immediately restrict their account or delete it. So those are real people. And I actually feel bad about that. I had someone yell at me in their profile, said they were a, a mother or some shit, and obviously obviously had the Ukrainian flag in her um, in her bio. And she said, my pronouns are she, her, her, or whatever. And, uh, I, and she said, go fuck yourself. I said, See, and I said, this is what I'm talking about. We wouldn't get along. I hope you have a great night. And then she, was, she vanished. So I wish she would have stuck around because that can be a fun conversation. I've met people on the internet that started with an argument and then, wait a minute, we're both Redskins fans. We can't, I don't know if we can say they're Redskins fans, but uh, well, hey, we might have something in common. It turns out we do. We just don't like politicians. Pretty funny. But politi- po- politics gets into it way too much and we politicize everything and everyone's got an agenda and it's usually the same arguments over and over and over and over. Because again, it's a, it's always a, um, it's always a, an election season. It's always fundraising, and it's always getting me back into office. And I go to them. I'm not going to lie. And I have, I have a lot of guys in D.C. that I like. Uh, I, I've got, I know women um, that are Democrats that I like. Uh, it's pretty, pretty funny. But that's a, that's a great place. One of my favorite quotes. I'm going to get into some more D.C. stuff. Is uh, politics is the art of looking for trouble, finding it everywhere diagnosing it incorrectly, and then applying the wrong remedies. That basically sums up the swamp right there. But um, I, just, I wanted to touch off on that, but that, that's why we call it the Operator Podcast, because I'm, I'm reachable, and I've heard from people. And everything from, from uh, you were wrong on that, and yes, we do say this, or maybe you should discuss this on the podcast. I, I watch that, and I like it. And I, I like the positive stuff, too, but that's at the, at the Operator Podcast. So that's pretty cool. Then, what are we doing? What are we doing this week? Last week I flew out to. Uh, I like I said, I fly a lot. I meet a lot of people. I have my favorite flight that goes directly from LAX to JFK, which is awesome. Uh, I'm gonna go somewhere else this week, but uh, again, I, I, talking to different people around the country is great. So that's the point I'm making. People are good. When, when you, if you're feeling depressed. Or you're having a bad day, just put put your phone, get your phone out of your face and go outside, get some sunshine. So there are days I'll go outside, take my shirt off, and stand in the sun, because I'm convinced that is the ultimate cleanser. the uh, The sunshine will get you where you need to be. But yeah, the the the, the internet's 
funny. I don't know if it's gotten as closer. I think it was intentionally meant to be funny, and there are some funny videos. Get, get on my, um, I retweeted, the, the, it's like six years old, the woman wearing the Chewbacca mask. She just bought it for herself, and she's sitting in her car laughing her ass off, sounding like Chewbacca. Incredible. That's what the internet was for, but get outside and meet people, and they're great. So, um, speaking of travel, this is Memorial Day weekend which is a, a, um, a time of remembrance. It's a three-day weekend, eating and golfing, drinking some beer, stuff like that. And I, I, I'll get at uh, it. Memorial Day was started in uh, the Civil War where people went and put flowers on the tombstones, the grave sites, the uh, battlefields of the fallen in the Civil War. And the next year they started doing it for... Uh, for all fallen veterans, all f- uh, fallen heroes, um, and their gravestones became Memorial Day, and that became a federal holiday, Monday, so you get the day off. And I, so, what did I just say? Oh, I was, so I was asked, do, do, you, do you say Happy Memorial Day? Sure. Um, for a lot, I mean, a lot of people don't know what it is. They know they get the day off. Um, I, you, you could say have a blessed Memorial Day. And then the thing that I've noticed with some of well, all my friends that were killed in combat, um, they would want you to have the day off. Like they, they would say, be, if this went down, you guys better get something for it. And, and, and I guarantee, you know, on, on Monday, when you crack that first cold one, you raise it up to the sky, give them a toast, they'll toast right back to you. Um, they'd want you to have it. They'd want you to travel. And even people who who don't love this country, they take the day off too. And that's almost something where that'll bring us together, man. If we're seeing the division in the country, give us all a day. Well, shit, they did that, didn't they? They gave us a freaking year off. So that didn't work. Anyway, take the day off Monday, the, the uh, fallen. It's not about veterans. Veterans day is about veterans. It's about, um, it's about the fallen. So, uh, have a blessed Memorial day. Usually, um, you know, you want to leave early Friday morning because traffic's going to be gnarly. Especially, I, I can't. I mean, I can't, I can't decide where I'm going to go yet, but it'll be somewhere probably by car. So, have a blessed Memorial Day and enjoy it. Uh, on that, we are going to talk about some veterans from the Great War. Um, some some of the fallen from the Great War. They they called it the Great War because. You couldn't call it World War One because it's anticipation of well, when's going to be World War Two? So the Great War was the war to end all wars, and they've got a crappy little memorial in D.C. and um, but it was going to end it all. But you know, we got politicians involved in a lot of different stuff and a lot of different conspiracies. But I want to talk about something that you may not know. The world is getting a little bit crazy, and I cannot believe some of the dire headlines we're facing in the world today. Everywhere you look, things are falling apart. That's why the smartest investment you can make right now is in your family's food security. The reality is you might not be able to find food when the next disaster strikes. Grocery stores will be empty because roads will be closed and trucks can't make deliveries. When that happens, you need emergency food in full supply. That's why I urge you to grab a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply the nation's largest preparedness company. When you order today, you'll save $200 on each kit you need. Having these kits means your family will stay fed while others stand in food lines. So don't delay. Order your three-month emergency food kit today and save $200 per kit. It's easy to order. Go to preparewithrob.com. Preparewithrob.com. You'll get fast and free shipping too. So do this today so you don't regret it tomorrow. Preparewithrob.com. So the First World War, or the Great War as they call it at the time, is one of the deadliest global conflicts in history. Fought between two coalitions, the Allies and the Central Powers. And fighting was in Europe, Middle East, Africa, Pacific parts of Asia. An estimated 9 million soldiers were killed, 23 million wounded, uh, 5 million civilians were killed. Uh, as a result of military actions or famine, disease, it's right on the Spanish flu time, which didn't help because of the movement of so many troops so many places. 
Uh, and the United States got involved in April of 1917. And we were not prepared for World War One. We weren't going to get involved. We ended up doing it. There was all kinds of stuff going on over there. We can do a history lesson on World War One later. Um, the part that killed me is uh, France. Um, excuse me, Germany had a plan to attack France and then attack Russia, which never works. But they're going to keep trying. And so, because we weren't uh, prepared for it, we had to draft. We we uh, we had to have soldiers fight as conscriptions or what they called selective service. Um, so in 1917, when we entered within 18 months, we lost, um, a hundred thousand troops. And if you think about that, that's mind boggling. How many can die in that? Uh, and that's just, this is horrible fighting. This is trench war. <clears throat> I mean, we're seeing that again, God knows why in Ukraine, uh, fighting trench to trench, they don't. They didn't have drones back then, and they were using the newly invented uh, mustard gas, and they were using chemical warfare. Which, I mean, talk about living in the worst place imaginable, the scariest environment imaginable. The no comforts, mud, trenches, and gas, and then uh, charge the line, rush at the machine gun, and. Uh, I mean, it's, it's horrible. And then the veterans, the 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 men that died there in those horrible conditions, so far away from home. Those are the kind of people that you need to remember on Memorial Day. Um, here's something that that um, a lot of people don't know about this too on Memorial Day. There were a lot of African American soldiers over there, but because of segregation, they couldn't fight side by side with Americans. So a lot of these black dudes fought next to the French. Under, like, not necessarily under the French flag, but they're charging with the French flag. And I'm talking gallantry that we've probably never heard of. Uh, um, and it's, again, veterans that are dying over there. Um, it's important to remember, I'm, I'm going to do some searching on a lot of those soldiers that we don't know about. Because World War I doesn't get, I think the recognition that the brave men who fought there deserve. So what I want to talk about is uh, this is, they're called the bonus army. So when these soldiers came back from hell, they got a measly bonus. And so what their argument was if we're, if we're going to war for this country as conscripts and not barely barely getting paid, and the people who remain back home are getting the payment, we missed out on a lot of pay. So they're, they're looking looking for is back pay. They wanted uh, they they wanted to get some some cash for, for being gone because they got they, these are men that come back from hell with they didn't call it PTSD at the time, and I can't imagine how bad it was, but they called it uh, shell shock. And then you're expected to get back. Don't worry about it. Take care of your families. <clears throat> and they got um, measly bonus. So they're, they started trying to, uh, they started some unions for veterans um, to lobby Congress to get them pay. They just, they wanted to get paid. And in 1924, the World War Adjustment Compensation Act was passed by the House and the Senate. Um. And then I think in 1925, President Calvin Coolidge vetoes this for some reason. I don't, I don't know why they would want to do that. Um, fortunately, because some people in Congress did, did realize what these, what these men had done for the country or for the cause, whatever it was, they, over, they, were, they over, overrode it, if that's the word. They overrode it, which they could do if you have a certain amount of votes. So um, again, that's my, that's my political thing. And... Uh, Basically, what it said is they 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 get this bonus, but they put it in the form of bill of um, not bills, bonds, and you can collect in 1945. So we're looking at 20 year 20 years. You can get this payment. The way the government was thinking, <laughs> not to get sorry, I used thinking. The way the government was acting is that they can make sort of an investment in this, and then you can get a retirement. And and I guess guys are like, we finally got something. So. 
we're happy with that. And then, uh, then in 1929, the Great Depression hits, and that's bad. There's 25% unemployment. You know, the worst, uh, horrible, horrible conditions. So these veterans want to get paid now. We're raising a family. We're we're starving out here. We fought for the country. So they got together and they decided to go to D.C. And we are going to make our presence known. So in the summer of 1932, at the height of the Great Depression, 45,000 veterans went to D.C., and they wanted um, immediate payment instead of the bonds. And Congress wasn't, they, 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 didn't, they didn't want to do it. What I thought was cool, too, is that they, they, the bonus army called themselves the uh, Bonus Expeditionary Force, which is cool. It's a play on the American Expeditionary Force, which is what the Americans were called when they... Um, went to Europe to fight the Great War. And they came from everywhere. And they, they marched on Washington for the bonus that was promised in 1924, like I said, and they won it back. The, and Now, this is a cool part. The, the chief of police in D.C. was a guy by the name of, I think, Pelham Glassford, who was a brigadier general in World War I, and his guys loved him. And he's the chief of police now, and they're descending, not descending, they're just coming to uh, lobby Congress to get our, our money that we deserve. And they set up, so the chief of police, he's, he's monitoring this, obviously doesn't want to want to get violent. These are American soldiers. And, he, you know, so he's trying to be cool with them. They, they set up a town uh, in Anacostia, Virginia. And the president now is uh, Herbert Hoover. And he's, he, I don't know. I obviously didn't know him. <laughs> you can read about him. Not a good guy. But Hooverville is that they set up shacks, they built towns, they had irrigation and plumbing. Now, I mean, as good as plumbing as you can get in, in 1932. They said there was a library and 24 hours of music. And they said they had everything. They had jazz, blues, country, um, people living together. And the politicians, get a load of this. So this is 1932. They build this town. They're proving that uh, we can all live together. This is huge for the country. The politicians are now concerned about, get get this, segregation. So the people in the Capitol, the people in the White House, don't want black guys and white guys, black families, white families living together. So that's their concern. And they said they were concerned about a, not just segregation, but a revolution. And here's a word you might, here um, <clears throat> a few words you might enjoy from the powers that be, the people that actually work for us, we don't work for them uh, in D.C., they were concerned about a civil insurrection. Huh. Heard that before. And basically there was severe annoyance to to this, to the, the political system. And so they got the army, in, not involved, but the army was getting prepared for an insurrection. So and, and they weren't messing around. So they got a guy, you may have heard of him, named Douglas MacArthur, who was in charge. And his aide was a guy, what's his name, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Another guy was there. George Patton was a major. And so they started talking about infantry, tanks, horses, and gas. Like, this is how we're going to prepare for this. So there's a bunch of guys there. There's a bunch more on the way. And they thought the insurrectionists, the veterans, and their families are living with them. They thought, well, the government's going to comply, not comply, they're going to they're gonna do this, and it's going to be peaceful, and no, no soldiers are going to fight World War I veterans, right? So that's their thinking, and um, they were wrong. So they're out there proving that they, they can all live together, and they're, they're lobbying. This is so, this is, this is, so lobbying starts, started near the White House when they call it lobbying because you wait in the lobby for the president to come out, and then you hit him with all your shit, right? And that's what lobbyists do, and they have their, their own special interests, and that's, they, they get the, they open the door for the companies and their lobbyists. Um, what these veterans did that I thought was extremely cool was, like, they would go to the, the congressman's office and sit in there, and then they would be outside when, when the congressman would leave, and they they're they're harass not they're, whatever they're trying to get they were in the worst war ever, and they're trying to get paid, and they proved that that can work because it did. Uh, after two weeks, it worked. Uh, June seventeenth, nineteen thirty two. So Congress passes it, and then it goes to the Senate, who senators think they're cooler than congressmen, 
and uh, they overwhelmingly turn it down. So they're voting overwhelmingly. They're voting on this. All these veterans are outside. Uh, they're yelling so they can hear them as they're voting on the on the Senate floor. They're yelling, "The Yanks are starving," and uh, the Senate turns it down. So that's uh, that's that. Um, then after they. Uh, at midnight, that's their last day in Congress, and they're, they're, they sneak out of the Capitol using tunnels and using um, back doors and just secret exits for emergencies because obviously they're scared of the insurrectionists. And um, they're gone, and then, then uh, Hoover orders them out, and then July 28th, cops show up, and the cops are just trying to be cool with them. Apparently... Some of the veterans surrounded two cops, and like I guess guys started throwing rocks, and it escalated. One of the cops pulls a gun, kills two of the guys, two of the veterans that are just trying to get their bonus pay, and they were calling it the bonus army. And uh, that's that's when it starts to really, really get bad. I think I know my audience, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you are meat eaters, and I know we've talked about this before, and I'm telling you to check out Moink. From small family farms to your dining table, Moink gives you access to the freshest, sustainably sourced meat and fish, all while supporting American family farms. That's very, very important. You can help save the family farm and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink delivers grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pasteurized pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon right to your door. And Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did. As a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm simply does it better. The Moink difference is a difference that you can taste and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent as well. Um, you're, hel- helping the American farm is so um, so important to this country. If you control the food, you can control the people. We want to have our food like this, and it, I, it's the best stuff I've ever had. I, my, we have it pretty much every night, my wife and me. My kids have just can't wait for more bacon. My father actually called me last night and asked, when, he's, when is his next, next order of chicken arriving? Because it's so good. I love, I love Moink, and I know you will too. Keep American Farming going by signing up today at moinkbox.com slash the operator right now, and you will get free bacon in your first box and i assure you even though you're getting free bacon put more in there it's the best bacon you'll ever taste um and we've had people say that uh, the best bacon you'll ever taste but for a limited time so that's m-o-i-n-k box.com slash the operator that's moinkbox.com slash the operator i'm being 100 serious you will be very happy you got this meat so now we have shots fired the cops are involved uh, Hoover wants him out of DC because you, you know I don't want it in, in my backyard. I don't. I, there might be problems in this country, but I don't need to see it. So he deploys the army, it, and I'm talking. This is Pennsylvania Avenue. This is uh, Constitution Avenue. This is DC. He sends in at first 200 cavalry, so dudes on horses, 400 infantry who have their bayonets fixed, tanks. So, I mean, so MacArthur and Eisenhower are there. MacArthur's leading it, and he's just a prick. And uh, Patton, George Patton, General George Patton, has his, his, his saber out. So picture Washington, D.C. The army is now deployed against protesting veterans, and a, and a major who's going to be a general has his sword out. Okay, and so... Uh, Here's the part that kills me. These are World War I vets. The first thing the army starts doing to them is throwing gas at them. So now they're home in a country they love after leaving hell in a gas-filled war zone. And now they're protesting for their the rights they fought for, and they're getting gassed again. I mean, shit, I, I say I get... Um, Triggered by a, a war movie. Can you imagine that? And now your family's with you. So the vets are choking again. And there's a, this drawbridge that leads back to, to Hooverville, which is the the town they built that scared the politicians because, like I said, we got, uh, we got different families of different colors living together and really being successful based on nothing but helping each other out. Um, 
so th- there's this bridge and they're driven across it and they're back in, in Hooverville and President Hoover actually says to stop. Stop now. And Douglas MacArthur, General MacArthur, who later would prove he really doesn't care for orders from the president, he leads the charge across the bridge. And his, listen to this. So they're attacking veterans in D.C. again with deadly force. And the president of the United States says to stop. And MacArthur says, I cannot be bothered. Oh, I cannot bother with pieces of paper during a military operation. So he just zips across the bridge, and now they're destroying. They start to burn the place down. They're destroying this this town that these veterans and their families built, the community that they built, and they're destroying it. Uh, and then they start to burn it. And um, they're, they're driving the veterans out who, again, are just there to get a bonus because it's the Great Depression. And it said... Uh, there was a, a reporter, I want to say, from the Washington Post who was there that said the fire was so bright it lit up the sky. And then they said President Hoover, from the residence of the White House, was looking down the South Lawn. He could, uh, he could see it happening. He could see the United States Army fighting Army veterans, and he turned around and went to sleep. And he was later said again. He, he called it uh, a communist rev, rev, uh, communist revolution because they just throw that word around all the time. I guess. Hey, um, and I, you know, I don't mean to call American historical figures dicks, but that was a dick move by MacArthur. You have to admit that. That's just a. Anyway, um, th- there was another guy that became the face of it. Because you're obviously you sh- the veterans should have public support, and they're definitely getting it. now. There's there's a guy by the name of Joe Angelo, who was awarded the Dis- Distinguished Service Cross in World War One, and the reason he got that uh, the Distinguished Service Cross is a pretty big deal. He uh, he got it because he saved George Patton's life uh, May at the time Major George George Patton's life. So he figured, I can go up. I can find Gen or not General, but Major Patton, and who is a hist- I mean historically also a dick. Um, <laughs> I can find him and just talk him down from doing this and tell him all we're doing here. So he went up to him, and he barely even looked at him, and he said to his uh, his aides, "Take this man away. I don't want to see this man, the guy that saved his life." And uh, that's just the. Um, that's the way that went down. And since we're talking about Washington, we can talk about the debt ceiling, the debt, banks collapsing. There's 186 more banks at risk of collapsing, and yours could be next, unless the Fed does what they did back in March and print $300 billion out of thin air, making your dollar worthless. Not to mention the recession that we always talk about. Uh, it could have a significant amount on your investment and retirement accounts. Take my advice. Protect your financial future with something real. That's gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Since the beginning of time, there has only been one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has the highest ratings in the industry, five stars with Trustlink, a AAA rating with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can invest with confidence because of the quality and service of Allegiance Gold. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwiththeoperator.com. That's protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call at 844-790-9191. Don't let the Fed play a monopoly with your money. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call at 844 Zero nine one nine one. So that's disheartening to hear the, uh, the way a lot of our um, highly elected officials and some of our soon-to-be, well, they were general officers and soon-to-be general officers that actually were heroes in uh, in World War II. It's it's sad to see the way they treated, you know, the the generals from the greatest generation treated some of the guys that fought in World War um, One, and I mean. You know, they did patented an awesome job in World War II, and you know, we needed that. We needed him to be a dick then, 
in World War II, but we don't need a, um, him pulling swords on veterans who are trying to get their um, trying to get their their fair share, if you will. And I hate that term. Uh, yeah, and it was so sad. So they drove they drove him out of there, and uh, Hoover was eventually defeated because. I mean, I don't need to explain that. There was actually a song that was written by these veterans that became their uh, their tune that was um, uh, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? So Roosevelt was elected, and they tried to pass the thing again, and it got through, and uh, Roosevelt vetoed it. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? And again, Congress did overwrite it, so it does work, and they... And, um, because there was there was something before that, but the the, vet, the, the vets after that they, the vets came back every year, and even Roosevelt would say, recognizing not just politically but I think morally how bad that was, that he said, "You cannot use force on these guys," but I still don't want them here. So that's that's that. Uh, so what he did, this is a, this is a weird twist to the story. A lot of these veterans were sent to. Um, they, they, he didn't want them there, so he sent a bunch to, to Key West, down to the Florida Keys to work uh, in a. They call it like a rehabilitation camp or some something like that. I don't know if they're working or they're getting paid to work and all this stuff. And and uh, it was hit. I forget which year, but Key West, the Keys were hit with one of the worst hurricanes in history, and these guys that were sent to these camps again, these poor veterans. Uh, hundreds of them were killed in this, and we you know, like I said, we didn't have the technology that we have today. So Washington wants to cover this up. We're not going to tell America what we just did to these veterans, and I don't mean to laugh about it, but it's just sad. All these guys wanted was their bonus. Um, one of the first boats to show up was uh, there was a guy on it named Ernest Hemingway, and he wrote a scathing paper. And said those veterans in those camps were practically murdered. So they they never stopped fighting for the rights of veterans and the families of the fallen. And then in uh, you know then World War II kicks off, and f- you know we were, we were bombed obviously in 1941, and then um, we're, we're we're involved once again in a world war. And but it, the good news about that is in June of 1944, which was by the way a big month, um, FDR signed the GI Bill of Rights, which turned into the GI Bill. And I guess that the the you know the the thing is that once the the vets get back, they they will have compensation for college and things like that, and they can reintegrate. So um, I that's a story just because the 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 men who died in World War One. Uh, over there and the men who died fighting for veterans' rights here in the country. A lot of people don't talk about that story. So that is the story of the Bonus Army. We uh, talk a little bit about guns every now and then, interesting conversations because, you know, someone knows something better. I have been telling you, though, to check out F1 Firearms. If you haven't done it yet, Find them, check them out because we have some exciting news coming up soon. But you got to check out the custom uh, custom rifles they have there. Over 300 custom firearms are in stock. The BDRX-15 is the most modern design incorporated with a skeletonized technology, which is badass if you haven't seen it. It's the flagship model that utilizes a grid billet receiver set and is fitted with matched free-floating X7M handguard for monolithic appearance. Uh, the BDRX-15 platform is the platform of choice, and you can customize it. All kinds of colors. You got to check out the colors. It's awesome. 16-inch uppers, black nitride, stainless steel, 223, 300 AAC, 7.62, uh, black, red, silver, blue, green. Like I said, the the um, the colors are outstanding. The way they work are, are just incredible. You got to check out the pistols, the five and a half, the eight and a half. Uh, more to come. Like I said, exciting stuff. Uh, every receiver set on the uh, AR-15 models, they're set to fit out of the box. The rails are contoured to the upper, so there's no wiggle at all. And the angle of the safety can also be customized. So they're as pretty as you want. When you pull them out at the range, they're cooler than everybody else's, and you'll be ready to shoot better than them. So check out F1 Firearms. That is a um, an important story to know, a lot of important stories that are untold that I'm going to dig into in future episodes. Because there's so many, so many out there that, that that we don't know about. So many, so many heroes, 
so many people who have fallen in combat and training for combat. Um, but I love the the story of the bonus army because of the way that they all came together um, for a cause and for a good cause. And we, you know, we need to, we need to maintain that. Uh, uh, it, 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 it just reminds uh, dudes living together in squalor in horrible places. I, I think back to uh, some friends of mine that, that, that we lost overseas living in crap, like <clears throat> those missions where um, staring at the border of Pakistan in a hide site, rolling over, uh, realizing you're on a nest of uh, pit vipers, <clears throat> which um, which are not good. And so you got your, your hide site set up and... Um, uh, and just having a buddy look over and go, yeah, we should we should probably move. Uh, just the, the humor in places like that. I was with uh, um, my friend Scott Neal. And if I've told these stories before, bear with me. I run out of them. But I think about these guys on Memorial Day, especially getting closer to it. Scott Neal was a really good friend of mine. Navy SEAL. Again, in a hide site. And we're doing these logs. You keep a log, literally writing it with your hand. With your hand. Your handwriting in a book. The logs of what's going on. Excuse me. And we were calling in fire, so we got uh, we got probably F-15s above F-16s, and uh, he was writing down, um, you know, zero three hundred one bomb, and we hear an explosion. He looks at me and winks and goes, two bombs." So funny stuff like that. Uh, I think of my friend uh, Lance Vaccaro, who uh, we called the Cobra. And uh, he was, uh, he, we called him Cobra because he was, it, it's like he's, he was so wound up and, and ready to, not, not wound, but like tight, like he's ready to pounce. I mean, you know, six pack abs can do 50 pull ups in a row, but he's like, he's like rigid. And uh, so we call him the Cobra. And uh, like when we, when we were going through, uh, when we were jumping tandems, you're, when you ha- when you're jumping a buddy because you train with a with a buddy, so you're jumping another Navy SEAL or you're jumping a, an Air Force guy or you're jumping a a, um, a Green Beret, you you switch it out. And so one of my guys was jumping. What you say is you you're, you hang them, and you you say jumper hang. So they're connected to you jumper hang. That means they got to put their feet up and you're going to leave the aircraft. But what Nate would say because he was Lance's partner was um, Cobra coil. So it was always funny to watch them them jump. Lance came into, we were living in, in Bagram uh, during one of our deployments. And uh, he came in to the bee hut. And I guess his mom, who was awesome, um, sent uh, one of the things along with the, the niceties was a, was a half gallon of Jägermeister. And so he came into to our, and you know, because when you're not working and there's like a weather delay, whatever, we're not going out. We know damn well we don't have aircraft. <laughs> there's no target. We're going to be holed up watching movies for the next three days. So every officer listening, take a fucking wrap off. It happens. Not every officer. <laughs> I'm sorry you said that. I've been bashing officers this episode. I, I, I love you guys. Um, but he so we'll pick up B Hut and we'll hang out in that one. And you know we've done weird shit before where we all have, um, we would buy local garb to to dress like the locals, and it's not for um, it's not for. I'm not gonna blend in. I know that, and I, I you know, I I said earlier, talk to me in the comments. You don't need to tell me I'm not gonna blend in. I know that, but guess what? Neither are you. And like I always crack up when I see those movies where um, someone Amer- American comes in dressed like a local and he speaks Farsi and they buy it. That's not going to happen. It's that's their language and there's a dialect. It's like someone from uh, someone from Worcester, Mask going to uh, um, Thibodeau, Louisiana, and trying to blend in. You're going to know he's from somewhere else. Anyway. Like we would, so we had the local garbage. We used it for far recognition. Like if we're driving a car, someone might glance over and see us, and we wouldn't click right away. Or if you know we're doing a snatch and grab at the grab and go, getting out, running in the gas station, for example, grabbing the mujahideen, pulling them out. It, you can get away with it a little. Anyway, so we had local tailors make us this this muj gear, and when we would have these nights where we you know we're snowed in, or army navy game. 
we would dress up like this and we would, uh, <clears throat> we called it Muj night. So everyone's dressed like the Muj. We invited some of our interpreters over who were, the, the, at first, when we invaded Afghanistan, we had local interpreters, like dudes from Bagram, dudes from Kandahar that were locals. Um, so I mean, some of them were so good, we let them carry AKs with us, and we trusted them when the, when the war first started. So we had Muj night. We got a bunch of barrel-chested frogmen dressed up like Muj. We invited one of the Terps over on one condition. You have to wear Western gear. <laughs> like, we're going to dress like you. You got to put on a – he came over with, with with a jean jacket, which to me is 1980s Bruce Springsteen gets some. So we have Muj night. We actually invented – we would wear these Rhodesian chest vests, and you, you could fit – because that's where you put your um, your magazines – we you could put also a bear in there. I now if you're going in the field, don't take a bear with you, but you can if you're in a bee hut watching Grandma's Boy. Um, so we would put four bears in the chest vest, and if you needed to call for reinforcements, you could actually pull all four out, hold them like that, and we called it a bear PG, which is real. That's how bored we get. Moose night bear PGs, but uh, Lance, his so his mom sent him this uh, half gallon of Jägermeister. So we're sitting in there watching something, and we're not sure what we're going to do that night because there's nothing to do. We've all been into the gym. We've all done whatever training we need to do, and then we're just going to be sitting around all friggin' night. And Lance walks in and just sets the tone. He says, guys, look at my mom sense. And he, he opens up this half gallon of Jäger. He drops the, uh, the top on the floor and steps on it, crushes it, and goes... Oh man! Now we have to finish it. <laughs> um, so yeah, just uh, Memorial Day is coming up. I think about those guys uh, that we lost. I, you know, horrible to lose people. Um, most of us, every veteran knows someone who who lost someone. So it's important, like I said, to enjoy the weekend and uh, just tilt one back. It, you know, whatever. If you're having a cheeseburger or a hot dog, just remember the guys in the sky and. Uh, they're looking down and they're happy they were able to provide for us. Don't forget what Memorial Day is. Um, so Lance and well, uh, you know, because my mind's just spinning right now. I don't have any notes for this because this is a this is one of those times a year that gets kind of difficult. And what I've been seeing on social media is uh, a lot of guys, especially Iraq veterans, are saying they can't believe they went through that seeing the killing, doing the killing, and then coming back and, and realizing that was on Iraq could have been on a false premise, and they're questioning their service. Uh, I am a huge believer that it doesn't matter why we're here, we just are. And if you're a veteran and you fought in Iraq, especially in Afghanistan, um, it was it was never about the people that ordered us to go there it it was about the the man or woman next to you when you're going in the room and that's what you're fighting for and that was your job and you crushed it the the, the uh, you know the, the politicians aren't going to they're not going to tell the truth no matter what and a lot of times we just get sent there and they start these wars for different reasons mostly because they're they got to fulfill the contract just because a war ends doesn't mean the contract ends and you, but you, you weren't there for that. You were there for your team. You were there for your unit. You were there for the man next to you, and you did a great job. And especially days like Memorial Day, when you think about people we lost, you might have a tough time. But that's when you call someone, and or you might be having a great time, and that's when you call someone. Call your buddies. Check on them. Just send a text to a to a guy you haven't talked to in a while. Or if and if you're not a veteran, and you know a veteran. Text him and say, just thinking about you, send him some love, something like that. Uh, because it, it the, like I said, the, um, it doesn't matter why we're here, we just are, and we were there. And they sent us there for a long, long time under horrible conditions. And we, we fought and we won everything face to face. Every fight we had, we, we won. We just politically lost it. And it's not, that's not the veterans' fault. And it's not the, the men and women who died over there. So those are the people that we're remembering uh, on this Memorial Day. Uh, yeah, so you know, give them a shout. I want to. I want to talk about one story that I just saw. It's an older story, but it's absolutely incredible. Um, there's a guy, and I don't believe he's a veteran. 
Um, but his name is Kevin Hines. And in 2000, he, uh, he wanted to kill himself. And so he went to the Golden Gate Bridge, and he's going to jump. But he's not going to do it for a while. And uh, he's, he's, he said he was pacing back and forth on the bridge, and he's contemplating he's got to climb that fence and just let go. And as he was, he, he's, he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, this is it. And as he's contemplating suicide, which should never be an option, it's never that bad. But for him, he thought it was. Um, as he was walking back and forth, he said a woman stopped him and asked if, if he would take a picture of her. And he did. And he gave her her camera back. So we're talking a place here, there's been 1,800 suicides since the 1930s on this bridge. It, it's, you're going to die if you jump. So he hands her um, camera back. She walks away. As she's walking away, he climbed the fence, and he let go. And he said the millisecond that his hand left that bridge, he immediately regretted that decision. He just made the worst decision possible. I don't want to die. And that, I, that's where I think, you got to figure, so he's going to fall 240 feet, and he did, in four seconds. You're, that's almost high enough, 240 feet, to reach terminal velocity, where you might as well jump from 20,000. That's how fast you're going. And so he let go. He's falling on a place where 1,800 people have killed themselves, regretting it from the second he did. I don't want to die. Somehow he managed to get his, uh, his feet below him, and he smashed into the water feet first, shattered an ankle, broke some vertebrae in his back, but he lived. Now he's floating in this freezing water. Someone saw him jump, and they called the Coast Guard. And so the Coast Guard's going to get – this is a crazy story. The Coast Guard is, is uh, coming to get him, and this is not my story. This is what I was told. And, and Kevin Hines, I, I got to get him on here. He's, he's, he's a speaker now, too, about mental health and suicide prevention. The Coast Guard's going to take a second to get there. You got a broken back, and you're in the in the water. And he said he could feel something pushing him up. And he said he looked down and he saw a sea lion or a seal. I like to say that better. A seal is keeping him afloat until the Coast Guard got there. And uh, the point of that is, the second he decided to kill himself, he did, he, he he realized he didn't want to. So, um, especially this weekend, like I said. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs, but the good news is time keeps ticking and it heals everything and you're going to be fine. And uh, for the veterans out there that are celebrating Memorial Day or just remembering Memorial Day, call a buddy, um, just stick with it. Remember, time heals everything. If you can remember the time heals everything and it will be just fine, you're never out of the fight.